Because winning's hard. Really, really hard. Well, I think we're past winning is hard. Winning is almost unexpected at this point. Welcome to the Winning is Hard podcast. Cameron Parker alongside the man that makes Burn Orange Nation possible, Westcott Eberts. Um, a lot of monkey business going around. It's kind of distracted me from the Baylor loss. I had a lot of takes. I was fired up, but um, I hadn't even thought about the Baylor game until just now. But Westcott, where do you want to start today? Yeah, well, we might as well get the monkey off our back at, at the start here. Um, one of the silliest nights on Twitter um, that I could definitely <laughs> remember, um, in case you somehow weren't paying attention or, or aren't on Twitter, um, there's a report that came out you know, on Monday afternoon from a, a Texas uh, sports photographer who's done some uh, stringing work, and um, he said that um, you know the monkey owned by – the emotional support monkey who is owned by – Jeff Banks's wife um, apparently allegedly bit a child during trick or treating, and this led Daniel Banks, um, I believe, is now a former stripper, um, and now Jeff Banks's wife, to decide to go ahead and, and just tweet on through it. Um, <laughs> but so she basically took to Twitter and, and confirmed that basically confirmed that the incident happened, that she had a haunted house on Sunday evening for Halloween and that trick-or-treaters were allowed in. They were given very specific instructions about where they were supposed to go. Um, This explanation even ended with um, a video walking through her backyard and showing the do not enter sign on the gate. Um, Apparently the child um, went up to the gate, went through it and or stuck their hand through and was apparently bitten by the monkey um at some point someone with um someone who decided that it's not a great idea to tweet for these things possibly a lawyer someone affiliated with the lawyer told her that this all was a very bad idea and uh she ended up i, I believe deactivating her her twitter account um but it did lead to uh the string of phrases that includes um you know, Texas Longhorn assistant coach's girlfriend slash wife, the pole assassin, and her pet monkey, emotional support monkey, Gia, biting some, biting a kid. Um, I don't have any really hot takes on this other than um, uh, sex workers are people too and deserve the dignity that goes along with any job. Um, and the circumstances of Jeff, uh, Jeff Banks's uh, divorce are not clear to me and frankly uh, not anyone's business I don't even know where to start this is this is great I mean pole assassin, pole assassin. Oh yeah, she made she made a she made an appearance on the um, on the Jerry Springer show yeah. and the nickname the nickname is is uh is well earned she um she was quite quite impressive um with her with her performance on the pole and um also sometimes does performances with Gia did, I think. I want to know, can we get odds on um, the chances that Drake will use Pole Assassin in his next song, on his next album? I think she's too old. Mm, that's a bummer. Um, yeah, I, that was probably one of the greatest nights in, in Twitter. Um, I, I know we were on the receiving end of it, but there there was some there was some really good content out there on the Twitter sphere uh, top <laughs> top top 5 compared to cuz usually texas twitter nights or 
about um, the Eyes of Texas or you know, why was Sam Unger the only one singing Eyes of Texas after the Oklahoma game? You know, stuff like that. This is I, I'm welcoming all of this. I, I don't really care at this point, but I'm welcoming the Twitter takes on that when it's funny, right? When we can have fun. I think we should say that, um, you know, if a child was bitten, um, I hope they're okay. Um, if the pole assassin's version of the story is true, it's very important um, to follow directions when you're a visitor at somebody's house. Um, but yeah, um, a little bit, a little bit of levity uh, certainly needed um, for Texas um, after three straight consecutive losses in which they've blown double digit leads, which is um, certainly not amusing in the least. So where do you want to start with the, the Baylor loss? We, we're, we're past the monkey now. All right. Well, yeah, we, I think um, more monkey tanks. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm out of a man. I'll, I'll leave the, the humor and the memes for people. Who Can are, we get the monkey on the uh, podcast? You think next week? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think the, the monkey is probably not going to be making a lot of public appearances. As they, um, <laughs> consult with their lawyer. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, really just the most disappointing thing, you know, we've talked about, you know, the inconsistencies of, of the Texas wide receivers and, um, you know, certainly, you know, Xavier Worthy, you know, kind of repeatedly, you know, mentioned today about all the, you know, the wide receivers who are, you know, regularly uh, running open for Texas. Certainly, you know, Casey Thompson, you know, missed him on a, on what should have been a touchdown. Uh, there's another play where protection broke down and, and Thompson uh, didn't have a chance to deliver the ball downfield. Uh, but just, you know, really a, a poor display of ball skills by the Texas wide receivers. Uh, Joshua Moore dropped a touchdown pass, had a fumble, uh, had a ball go off his hands and led to the interception before halftime. Uh, Marcus Washington, uh, you know, certainly one play, extremely difficult, had a chance to make another uh, that would have put Texas in position uh, to tie the game with a touchdown late. And um, you know, I, I think that's um, that's especially frustrating after, you know, having a stretch of years with guys like, you know, Colin Johnson and um, uh, little Jordan Humphrey and, and even Devin Duvernay, a little bit smaller, but still great ball skills, extremely strong hands as well. And, you know, that's an area um, that this this Texas team, you know, really doesn't have. I'm not sure if that's the focus as, as much for, you know, Steve Sarkeesian. Obviously, he didn't have uh, much to do with uh, shaping this roster right now. But, um, you know, Casey Thompson could really use a wide receiver to, to go up and, and make some plays on the football right now. Yeah, I think you got to mention that Texas lost Troy O'Mary to injury getting this season. We haven't even seen him take a snap yet, I don't think, in a regular season game. He was supposed to be a top target this year. Jake Smith transferred out. Malcolm Epps transferred out. And then it's just been very disappointing, like you mentioned, with the ball skills. Joshua Moore was a receiver. I mentioned, remember that Texas Tech game last year where he had a couple incredible catches. And right. it's just jarring to see him, you know, with all these drop catches this year, the fumble. It's just it, – it's killer. Right. So it's, it's clearly it's clearly not, um, you know, a situation where where Joshua Morris has never shown that, that he can do that. He has on the field. You know, at Texas certainly had, you know, a long history of doing that. And, you know, I'm not sure if that's, you know, just a result of, of a really small sample size here or, you know, kind of the lack of the same rapport that, you know, he had developed over a couple of years working with Sam Ellinger, you know. Certainly for all of um, the criticisms of, of Ellinger and, and his ability to really drive the ball down the field, that, that tended to be more on, you know, post routes that he would he would kind of struggle to time up as, you know, guys were kind of moving in, in two dimensions away from him. Um, you know, 
I think on a lot of the throws down the sidelines, he was really good at putting the ball, um, you know, in a position where only his wide receiver, you know, could make the play. And and Thompson has, has done some of that. And, you know, credit to the Baylor cornerbacks as well. They had some really bad uh, coverage burns in that game that, that I was a little bit surprised by, you know, certainly based on the conversation that we had uh, last week when previewing that game. But, you know, they also made some really nice plays on the football. And so, you know, it's not 100% on, on the Texas wide receivers because, you know, almost all of those plays were, were difficult to make. And you know, I would say that, you know, probably the, the uh, interception uh, was probably the, the most egregious. Um, but, you know, otherwise there are, there are Baylor defenders, you know, who are right there making plays on the ball as well. Yeah, I think the the drop touchdown and the the drop or the excuse me, the fumble followed up by the Joshua Moore interception off his hands. I think it would have been so Texas scores both those drives. It would have been twenty eight ten and a half time, right? Yeah, certainly the the type of lead that Texas uh, blew against Oklahoma, but yeah, uh, Baylor Baylor's offense um, not really structured to to be able to uh, come back from a lead like that, like. Uh, Caleb Williams uh, proved that he was capable of doing it in his first extended playing time of his college career. And then giving up three consecutive scoring drives to start the second half for for Texas defensively, that that really hurt. Even though Texas showed signs of life coming out of the second half, scoring on that first drive, but just couldn't piece it together until you know the, the second, the last drive when they got that field goal, where arguably they should have scored on it. And Sark, you know, mentioned 2020s hindsight, but he you know he wants that third down callback. And it's something that he's also mentioned in his press conference. We talked about it. He mentioned it on Monday about playing complimentary football. And he mentioned, he used the example of the going forward and fourth down with the punt, the fake punt. That Decker had a runner pass option, decided to take it, didn't get the first down. And Sark mentioned that's on the defense then to kind of to get the stop. But I don't think this offense is works well with that, Westcott. No, definitely, um, you know, not two units that are working together right now in the complementary way that, that Sarkeesian um, is envisioning. Uh, certainly, you know, Dave Aranda came out, uh, really wanted to take away the running game. Um, you know, when other teams are able to do that, it, it takes away the explosiveness, uh, but also the ability to sustain drives for Texas, um, you know, especially with the, the state of the wide receiver room right now, uh, the struggles that Casey Thompson is having connecting with those players. And it's created a, a really boom or bust nature to Texas where, you know, they have a drive where maybe they'll hit a, you know, 60 plus yard touchdown pass to Xavier Worthy. Then on another drive, they'll be three and out. And that puts a lot of defense uh, to spend a lot of time on the field as, you know, we certainly saw in the, in the second halves of, of really, you know, the last three games. And um, I think, you know, if his offense isn't executing, you know, as we talked about last week, there's perhaps some play calling changes that Sarkeesian um, could take advantage of to to kind of throw some change ups in there and, and kind of catch the defense a little bit off guard, maybe. Uh, but, you know, just exposing his defense uh, with that fake punt, you know, on, on a fourth and 11 is just um, an extremely, an extremely reckless play. And, um, you know, the, the bend but don't break style of, um, you know, PK's defense, I was, you know, kind of sarcastically saying that, you know, as soon as that happened, that Texas was probably going to give those yards back anyway. Um, but it, it's just been, it's been a really, a real struggle because, you know, clearly the way that PK wants to run this defense is by being conservative, by forcing teams to sustain drives and, and score touchdowns in the red zone. Um, but that's made more difficult when the defense um, is having to spend so much time on the field. And, 
Um, you know, we've kind of talked about some of the, you know, possible fatigue. Uh, there's an interesting answer from from Sark on, on Monday about that. Um, he said that based on, you know, their GPS tracking readings, um, guys aren't, aren't losing a lot of, you know, velocity or, or explosiveness or power later in the games. Um, and so I think it's kind of um, become, you know, primarily a mental issue for Texas and, you know, show it up again. Um, feel like this is kind of a tired topic now, but Texas, once again, you know, struggling with their run fits, um, you know, kind of hanging in there defensively for long stretches, um, and then just give up that big play as they did the 32-yard touchdown run um, to Abram Smith. Uh, Jaron Smith looked like he had a really poor run fit, kind of came downhill and then crashed into the, the offensive line as the play got outside of him. And you could see B.J. Foster's um, frustration at the end of that play, at, you know, at the end of um, the game as well. And um, I, I think some of the issues, you know, Texas just really struggling um, to find some answers, you know, on, on the back end right now. Um, Thompson, you know, is now listed as a backup um, in that co-starter relationship with, you know, Brendan Schooler, um, who hasn't exactly been, you know, great this year either. Um, and Chris Adam Wara got his most ex- extended playing time against Baylor. You know, Anthony Cook is now cross-training at the position according to this week's uh, depth chart. And so I think, you know, there's a level of frustration um, from the coaches there, probably, you know, ranging down from from PK to, to Terry Joseph and, and Blake Gideon. And, you know, it looks like they're really just – um, trying to do everything that they can to, to find some answers. And, you know, right now it, it really doesn't seem like one of those answers is, you know, really getting a, a safety up closer to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And the fact that they're cross training all these different guys this late in the season just shows a level of concern that this defensive staff and coach Sark has, because they don't really have a, an answer in, and obviously the, the two the two safety look, the conservative look against Bohannon, I th- worked in the passing game for the most part. Uh, he played – I think Bohannon played his worst game of the this, this season. Maybe yeah, the Oklahoma two State two game interceptions after, Sorry, two interceptions after entering the game with one. Yeah, right after I, I talked about how he was the most underrated quarterback in the Big 12, he goes out there and does that. But at the end of the game, it came back to haunt them with that Abram Smith run. And Jaron Thompson, you mentioned, just had it. An awful attack angle got lost up in the line, allowed Abram Smith to get to the outside. And from there on, he was able to beat B.J. Foster, I believe, to score that that touchdown that ended up winning the game. Um, Obviously, who knows if Texas was able to to get a stop there. Baylor probably could go back down the field again and and score if they really needed to. But this late in the season, four games left at Ames, a night game against the Iowa State team that this will probably be their Super Bowl again on Saturday. Matt Campbell always gets them up. They won the last two. It just feels like there's no answers defensively for Pete Kwiatkowski's defense. Yeah, you know, certainly, you know, Iowa State, whenever Texas plays one of these, you know, flyover defenses with three safeties, uh, that's a defensive structure that that really allows those guys to, to be able to really, you know, have both things at once where they can play with enough depth, and be conservative enough in the passing game to be able to limit the explosive plays, uh, keep balls from going over the top of their head, uh, but also being able to get uh, guys that are, you know, either the offense can account for or are really difficult to account for uh, because of the depth that they're coming from. Um, you know, obviously Texas, Texas is struggling to, to field two safeties who can get the job done right now. Um, no chance that, you know, they had really have someone um, that they could put back in, in that three safety, uh, you know, structure. So, you know, that's certainly not available. Um, you know, I would say uh, B.J. Foster, you know, was really good in the box, you know, as a freshman. That's certainly a role that he can thrive in. But, 
Um, you know, again, I, I think it comes down to uh, partly not having a level of trust uh, with Brendan Schooler, Chris Adamora, or Jaron Thompson on the back end to be the the one person who who clean things up there uh, if, if something happens to get behind the cornerbacks. Are you surprised that Adamora hasn't seen that much playing time in, until last week? I have been a little bit surprised. Um, you know, obviously, every time there's a coaching change, uh, guys who were previously in favor can sometimes fall out of favor. Um, he's kind of been the number one guy in that area on defense for me this year. Uh, Anthony Cook, you know, certainly deserves some credit for that as well, for really uh, taking over that nickel position and playing some of the better football of, of anybody, you know, on that Texas defense over a consistent period of time this year. Um, but, yeah, a little bit surprised. And it's, you know, it's hard to tell with, you know, not seeing him play, you know, not sure about, you know, what's really going on um, in practice with him. He kind of spent the last, you know, year and a half at nickel. Um, but, you know, just uh, kind of based on on those flashes that he had, you know, in the Alamo Bowl against Utah, I thought that he was, you know, primed for a, a successful future at Texas. And, um, you know, after, you know, some, some fairly solid play last year at, as a starting nickel, it, it hasn't happened for Adamora this year. In Texas, we see a lot of Brees Hall, who ran all over West Virginia last week, uh, leads the Big 12 in, in rushing yards, rushing touchdowns. Um, so another run-heavy offense against this Texas defense on Saturday. So going to be interesting. Yep, and um, of course, uh, we'll be back later on in this week to, to break down that game. And um, that way we won't have to continue repeating ourselves about the same things that keep going wrong for Texas. I'm pretty sure we, we've just this every every Monday. It's the same type of discussion. We're talking about the same things week after week. But that's what happens when you're on a a three game losing streak, and very well could be four next Monday. But no, I mean if there's two things that are consistent about Texas football in the last decade, it's a deja vu of horrible losses and the reminder that winning is hard. Yeah. Any other monkey takes? Any other Texas football takes, or we think uh, I think we're good. Fresh out of them. Well, folks, thanks for listening. Um, don't go anyone's backyard, especially if it's a half haunted house, half monkey sanctuary. We don't want you to um, end up getting your fingers bit off. But <laughs> well, Scott, you have a good week, and we'll be back on Friday with another Winning Is Hard podcast. Yes, sir. It's hard, really, really hard.